You know, the thing I, I wanna, also want to say is that, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but if you allow yourself a really good cry, generally you feel very peaceful afterwards. You feel like full of peace and contentment, even sometimes something akin to bliss. Hello and welcome to It's More Than Money. It's More Than Money is a focus to bring you inspiring stories from real people who strive to improve every day. People who aren't willing to settle for the status quo, they've shaken off any limiting beliefs they might have had and they've just gone after what they really want in life. We'll have all kinds of guests, we'll have business owners, entrepreneurs, masters of the mind, industry game changers and money experts who will all, through their own stories, provide invaluable insights into creating a life you never thought possible. Hello, Christine Carlson. Welcome so much to the It's More Than Money podcast. We're really excited to have you on. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kai. Hi. Oh, we um we jumped up this morning. Super excited to be able to speak to you. I'm a big fan of all your books um, and often pop onto your website at least once or twice a week. So thank you for spending some time with us today. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so glad to know that somebody's popping on my website. <laughs> <laughs> it's me from Australia. <laughs> One of the deep, dark corners of Australia. That, 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 that's why my main market is Australia, I guess. <laughs> targeted, very targeted. It's working, definitely. So let's, um, really keen to hear and, and want to jump into your, your brand, your title, which is Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff. Now, that is kind of a loaded question. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of good stuff out of it. But tell us a bit about that and how it come about. Well, most people are um, probably very familiar with the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff book series, at least if they're um, of the age of 40 on up. (laughs) Sometimes I say that and I'm like, well, I have to be careful who I'm saying that to because maybe there's a younger generation that maybe saw that book on their parents' bedstand or in their parents' bathroom. But um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff is my late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson, and mine. Um, It's our series. And um, we worked on that and wrote it about 25 years ago. So it was um, a phenomenal um, best-selling series for several – well, it still is, actually. It sells very, very well today. It's kind of timeless, actually. Okay. and then I say, don't sweat the small stuff, live the big stuff, because um, there's a little bit, well, my story is that after um, we hit about the 10-year anniversary <clears throat> of the small stuff, Richard um, was going on a flight to New York, and he died suddenly um, on the descent of that flight from a pulmonary embolism. It was, it was about like... 15 years ago now, it'll be 15 years ago in December. Um, and that just really, you know, changed the trajectory of my life and my kids' lives and, you know, everyone that knew Richard in a lot of ways. So I say live the big stuff because quite frankly, he got to teach the world how not to sweat the small stuff and I got left the big stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly had to live some big moments then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so living the big stuff is is really it's it's about living through the big things, but it's also about honoring your life's purpose and really living very purpose driven. Yeah. Um, honoring your voice in the world, um, honoring why you came to the earth. You know, it, it's mm. it, that's what it means to me. 
So would that would it be fair to say, or I guess the question is, did that really accelerate in say the months or years after Richard's passing, where you were on, I guess, somewhat of a trajectory, a path, uh, a journey, however it may be seen with Richard. And as I was saying, did it, did it actually accelerate a lot then after where you think, okay, I'm really starting to find my true purpose here. Yes, myself and Richard, were doing some great things together, but it just went to another level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I felt like my life's purpose was really holding him and holding our family and um, being the crystal in the clock for our household, really yeah, okay. being his muse. And I really thought that was enough at that time in my life. And Yet, even though I had written Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love with him, and I'd written my, my first solo book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women, I had never really owned my uh, career as an author or as a teacher, even though the two of us had done so much spiritual study together from the time we were um, 19 and 21 years old. We just, we did everything. We had started meditating really young. We were into everything new age that you could think of, <laughs> even yeah, though we were, at, we were at a very conservative Christian college, but that didn't seem to keep us from holding crystals during exams and so forth. So, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting that term new age when really, and uh, you can obviously correct me here or add what, whatever you feel is actually right given your experience, but called new age, however, it's been around for hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it's probably new age in the sense that people, maybe more so now, are starting to realise there's more to life than just doing or being on this endless loop of fixing, repairing, earning, working. There's a lot more, lot more out there. Well, I think of, um, when I think of new age, I think of that time period in the um, 80s when spirituality kind of came to a new place in the world. And there was a movement, you know, the new age movement. It was moving more toward um, what was spiritual, which would have been considered what they, you know, I hate the term woo woo because I'm very, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that now science is really proving so much about woo woo, not to yeah. be woo, you know? <laughs> so it, yeah. the new age time period was all about, the focus was on healing. It was on, um, you know, connecting to a different form of spirituality, um, not religion per se, but what is truly spiritual. And mm. it was about seeking, you know, it was about seeking. And our lives definitely um, were all about seeking at a very young age, seeking what um, the true meaning of life was. And, you know, then Richard's path took him in the path of psychology. But before that, he was a body worker. He was a rolfer. And I was a massage therapist. So we, we had quite a backstory in history that was very much a full circle. Yeah, so that, that's, how our, that's how our life started together. It was pretty yeah, fascinating. Wow. So you're sort of kindred spirits right from the outset. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. I met Richard and I, I really knew within three hours that he was the man. I Absolutely. Actually, I think it was a little bit less. <laughs> It was like one of those instantaneous things. <laughs> I've got so much. I just don't know where to start because um, <laughs> I, I would love to know about, um, you say lead with your heart. You talk a lot about that in your book. So your heart, you know, is the first 
point of contact even before your mind. Um, so your body, mind, spirit, mindfulness, um, and that you, you keep talking about throughout your books is to know your heart. Mm. Can we explore that a little further? Like it does, everyone thinks that your mind, you know, listen to your, your, your mind, but it's definitely your gut. It's your heart, isn't it? It's leading the way. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think that when you can quiet your mind and through practice, as you know, that's why I love mindfulness so much. I love mm. meditation. Through practicing quieting the mind, then you can feel and tune into your heart and what your heart feels. And I like to think of it like there's this, as you evolve as a human being where you're, you become really aligned with your body, mind, and spirit, then your heart becomes more the navigation system. And you can create this kind of this, this uh, communication from heart to head instantly mm-hmm. once you've learned how to quiet down the busy, analytical, maybe e- egoic mind, you know, and you tune into, it starts with, what are you feeling? You know, just that simple question, what are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And in that way, too, we become very um, much in our bodies, you know, because so much of the time, most of us try to um, escape our bodies, like our energy gets leaking all out over mm. away from our body. And, and mindfulness is a practice. Um, and what we teach in, in a lot of our don'ts with the small stuff principles for happiness is how to really be present in the body. And so um, I've just done a lot of personal study this last couple of years on um, brain health and heart math. And I've been to see the heart <clears throat> math Institute and, and, and how intelligent the heart is. Now they're showing that the heart actually has brain cells. The heart and mind are connected, you know, mm. and, and you, have, you don't have as many brain cells in your heart as you do in your mind, but you have a lot. I mean, many, 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 many thousands of brain cells in your heart. So, I've seen that. And I think um, I could be wrong here, but I know a lot of Dr. Bruce Lipton's work is yes. very, very science-based. But sort of further what you were saying earlier around it's not just woo-woo anymore. It's getting proven over and over again, and particularly not just through uh, some research that's happened over the last couple of years, but through the last decades, like literally 30 years, I think Dr. Bruce Lipton's really been studying this sort of behavior, how our brain works and things like that. And he now can obviously very confidently stand there and say, this is how our brain works. This is how it's connected to our heart, as you're saying. And here's the science that proves how better off you can be if you put these practices in place on a daily basis. And it seems that the medical world is starting to open up a bit to it as well. And they're, albeit, I guess, a little bit hesitant because we're so tuned into fixing a problem that already exists as opposed to let's be preventative. So I just wanted to, um, wanted to hit one thing head on there you mentioned earlier, and this is particularly for any sceptics out there of the uh, woo-woo way of life. <laughs> so and that's kind of what we're touching on here for many is how they see it. So in your experience and teaching others, how can we or what sort of tips can we provide anyone listening that it's worthwhile, uh, it does work, and some simple steps to make those two come together? 
Well, the first thing that I, as you know, from listening to my podcast, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff, you know, I start everything out with a golden pause. Yeah. Would you like to do a very quick golden pause for your listeners right now? (laughs) Yes, I do. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So everyone who's listening, if you're doing something, just pay attention to what you're doing and use this as a deep breathing exercise to get present in your body. But if you can, sit down and sit comfortably and close your eyes and place your palms open on your lap and just begin to breathe. Breathe in through your nose, allow your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. And on the exhale, release and let go of any tension you feel. And breathe in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand. And exhale, release and let go. Breathing in pure golden sunlight to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, relax a little bit deeper. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being. Place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. Just one. It could be just taking a deep breath in and exhaling. Could be something some, somebody said to you. It could be a place you've recently visited could be a feeling that you're having. Just be grateful and breathing in that golden gratitude to every cell of your being, exhaling, releasing, and letting go of what doesn't serve you. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in pure golden gratitude again to every cell of your being. On the exhale, open your eyes. Sorry, my kitty is scratching. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted in. He literally. Golden pause too. <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful experience. That was amazing. That is yeah. definitely something that very, very simple to do. Although I know from my prior experience years ago, it was very hard to get into that literally one minute or two minutes of space to, to try and remove yourself from how busy our minds can be. But that, is that the start? Just literally a minute, two minutes a day, do what you were just doing then? Yeah, well, I teach that because it is really simple. And the more you mm. practice it, the more easy it is to get to that yeah. place. And even just say you practice that, um, every day for a week on the eighth day, you know, you might notice that you're just feeling stressed at work. And then suddenly you just close your eyes and take a deep breath, place your hand mm. on your heart and you can find that place. So mm. I would say you have to practice going to that place inside in order to find it easily when you really need it, you know, and it's a peaceful place that exists within all of us. And it surely is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and when you tune into your gratitude, you're actually um, tuning into joy because the heart reads gratitude as joy. Yeah. So, you know, we think of joy as sometimes these, you know, really bursts of experiences of, of bliss, but joy is actually a lot more subtle than that. It's very consistent, like a consistent hum of energy that's always present. 
but we have to be present to it. And yeah. this is where the mind comes in. So back to what I'm talking about, how to connect your mind and your heart, your mind will take you away from what is joyful because mm. our mind will go to maybe what's negative or what we can't have or what we don't have. And we can get all caught up in our thinking and takes us away from that natural good feeling that exists all the time as long as we're present to it. Mm. So, so the other thing I would say is that as you become a more present person, and when I say present, I mean it's a really truly an alignment of your heart with your body and your mind. So it's, it's in the present moment. You're not thinking about your future. You're not consumed with regrets or anything in your past you're really just aligned right here right now and so golden pause can do a lot of things but it gets you in your body in your gratitude feeling better and it aligns you in the present moment and so these are the practices of life that create mindfulness you know mindfulness is about intention and attention and the attitude you bring to the present moment and so if you have the intention to be more present, then you're going to grow more presence in your life with that mm. intention. Yeah. And that practice, and that just means placing your attention on the question, maybe the breath and the question, how am I feeling? And sometimes even just placing your hand on your heart will remind you to access you know, that, mm. present, that present place and your heart. It reminds your heart. Activate your heart. That's why I say that. Yeah, Activate okay. Place your hand in your heart, activate your heart, open your heart. And it brings a great deal of clarity too. So even just that one minute or so that we did, it's like all the thoughts have sort of gone away and you literally sort of open your eyes or wake back up and you feel so much clearer and lighter for what is sort of coming. Yeah. It's, it's, it's for me, it's um, especially for the last, this year with my passing of my brother. Sorry, I just get so emotional. It's been a big year, obviously, for many and varied reasons, but, you know, particularly, obviously, with Kelly losing a brother, a very, very, very close relationship, and it's not to dismiss anyone who doesn't have a close relationship, but, you know, I, I firmly believe it made it extra hard. Mm. Like a, a very close relationship from, well, he was two years older. So yeah. he was two, Kelly was born, and it's been very close since then, right up until the day he was gone. And just the whole talking about the heart now is... I visited the hospital about a month ago because I thought I was having a heart attack and they put me on all these pain relief and ran all these tests and it was the lead up to my brother's birthday on the Saturday and they said to me, you've got a broken heart. Yeah. And it all makes sense to me now that when we talk about this, it's exactly what it is, a broken heart. Mm. And it was my mind, my heart. So, mm. yeah, it was definitely, definitely broken. <laughs> and Kelly was doing really well this year with not connecting the two, mm. the heart and the mind. <laughs> the mind was busy. I was running. <laughs> the mind was going. I don't think I've really ever seen anyone move that hard and fast for so long. <laughs> it was. I was getting tired watching it. <laughs> and as you would know, that you know, some people are ready in their own good time, and despite any efforts to. You know, encourage her to slow down or do different things. It just had to happen in her own time. And hopefully out of that, the, the lesson was, boom, here you go. You, you sort of, you're in hospital. We've given you a bit of a wake up and this is what the problem is. So mm. 
there's no magic wand, is there? It's just a matter of reconnecting with yourself and your journey pans out as it pans out, as long as you continue to connect with yourself, which is, I guess, what, you mm. could, what you're trying to teach. Would that be yeah, fair to say? So, yeah, so Kelly, like, first of all, I just even want to say how sorry I am, you know, for the loss of your brother. I know that just grief is a really painful process, and, it, and there's really no huge shortcut to it. It's, it's about allowing yourself to feel your feelings just like mm-hmm. you just did. You did that beautifully, allowing yourself to be where you are because grief is kind of a weird thing. It's, it's actually, I always think of grief as sort of the friend that has shown up to heal you. Mm, yeah, and okay. Because it's an emotional response to loss. You know, you, you, you have to reconcile this huge change in your life and, and this thing that seems so permanent, you know. <laughs> and, and, I mean, as you move through grief, you start to become very much aware of the connection that you have in your heart to the person that you perceive that you've lost. Mm. But the reality, really, if you believe it, and we were talking a little bit about beliefs before we got on the, on the um, show, is if you can find your brother where he is and meet him in his reality, which is not in human form, it's formless now, but he very much exists. If you believe that he exists, then all you have to keep doing is just asking him to show up and you have to show up. Mm. And, and it softens the grieving process quite a lot when you can create that communication and continue that relationship. That when you start to uh, reconcile the physical change of not being able to call him on the phone, but now you have a much stronger direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's phone, you know, and, <clears throat> and you know, and you will find he will talk to you and he will speak to you through signs and and through knowing and through feelings and and I always look at like when you're in grief, the beautiful part of grief is that it does crack you open Mm. and while your heart is broken it can be broken open into feeling more alive and I always say that when people we love die before us they give us the most amazing gift and the gift is to remember how short and how impermanent this human life really is and and that they've paved the way for us to live bigger, live brighter, live more because of them, because of that reminder. Because there's another thing that I've realized, and that is that people who really fear death, there's a part of them, what they really fear is that they're not living. Yeah. And they're not living fully, and they're not living to their full potential. So there's so much and it's such a rich conversation and I just want to applaud the courage that you have and you know, your beautiful vulnerable heart that (laughs) you shared that because there's so many people in the world in grief right now. And this is, you know, so many people have are having what I had, which they could never say goodbye to their loved one. You know, they've Mm. gone to the hospital and there's no goodbye. You know, they just, they, they're just, they just, you know, they die without that and Mm. hard. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to reconcile, but you will. And you just do it one tear at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It has to be empty. (laughs) 
Um, Some beautiful words there. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. I, I didn't expect that to come up, but I think that <laughs> meditation and what we spoke about. Yeah, it brought you into your heart. Yes. And what's present in your heart yeah. is sadness right now, understandable mm-hmm. human sadness. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's totally okay to be present with your sadness. It's never about like, you know, people always like, we, we think that it's about being happy all the time or being positive all the time. It's really not. There's a lot of healing that has to happen sometimes. And you can't create your future from a past that's broken or from a broken heart. You have to allow your heart to heal and, and be, you know, be well with that. And I think that people who resist grief, they have the most pain because grief doesn't go away until it's processed, until it's emptied, until somebody really uh, allows themselves to feel their feelings and then they will heal. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you um, made a very good point there. I think that it stuck with me. And one way it got explained to me just recently was a little bit along the lines of the yin and yang energy. And what the, uh, the explanation was, was in and around having a bad day effectively and having a really good day. And the yin and yang of that, it's, it's there for a reason. We can't, like you just touched on, it's not all about being happy all the time. There are very, very sad or tough moments and that, those yin and yang moments or those opposite type moments are the ones that really teach us, for example, and what was said to me was that the bad moments teach us how good the good moments are. As long as we obviously reframe where we are in that moment and actually take it for that lesson that it's providing. So it also flows under what you were saying, as I said, it twigged me to think of it, that you know, grief turns up as a, as a friend or turns up to help you heal. But, you know, sometimes obviously it's very, very tough to get through and we can get stuck in it for quite some time and go very, very deep into it. So the, I want to just touch on that briefly, if it's okay. What sort of, how do, how do people step out of it? As in, you know, they might feel like they're really stuck and there is no way out. What are some, some easy things they could take into their daily lives to help them? Well, I um, followed um, the path of what I call the star mantra when I grieved. Um, And that was surrender, trust, accept, release, and receive. And I, um, Richard and I learned about this mantra a long, long time ago. And it it was surrender, trust, and accept. And we used to say it's a great mantra because it works for everything, including traffic. (laughs) (laughs) Any road rages out there? (laughs) You you, you know, like the, the idea is that you ask yourself the one question. It kind of points to the serenity prayer. You ask yourself the one question. Am I in a situation that I can change? You know, when you're dealing with um, the, you know, big losses of life, a lot of times that's not something that you can change. It's something that truly happened. And you have only one choice, and that is how you step into healing. And I think when you start to realize that you've stepped into a, a healing process, because when we break, when our hearts break, that's natural and normal but we have to heal from that broken heart. And so you surrender to the emotions that come to you, not necessarily the thoughts. And this is tricky because we all have thought patterns and some of them can be extremely negative. And sometimes if we focus too much on our thinking and we allow our thinking to take us too much into our past or in a future that we really can't comprehend, then we will go on a train of, you know, we could be on a grief train for a very long time. 
If you're in resistance and thinking that you're going to be able to change this situation, for example, that can keep you stuck. If you surrender and you realize, I, I can't change this, so I have to just allow myself to go through the roller coaster of emotions that when they hit me. And then, you know, your body is very interesting as a tool, too. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, Kelly, but if you don't cry enough, do you ever get a stomach ache or anything? Oh. Yeah, my it, it all just makes sense because my heart just plays up. It's... It just feels so, so heavy. Mm. Yeah, so if you don't cry enough, then you're not letting that emotion out. So it kind of piles and builds and builds and builds. And then, it, and then it, it's going to find some other way to release itself. Mm. So just allowing yourself a lot of time and space to feel is really important when you're in a grieving process, like going on long walks without your earbuds on, yep. spending more time away from your screen, having quiet time in your in where in a place that you feel really safe and held that you can just allow yourself to feel and allow yourself to cry. I mean, this is like the big thing is we all are all running away from mm, what we call negative yeah. feelings. You know, we're running away mm. from feelings that are actually there to go ahead and release. You know, you think yeah. of release and then acceptance comes and then you end up receiving the gift Mm. of an expanded heart that mm. knows how to live even more fully than it did before. I'll bring that on, please. <laughs> <laughs> it is tricky, though, isn't it? Because we are wired for effectively self-preservation and the avoidance of pain or harm. So when we see or feel such a big pain coming up, such as yourself with Richard and Kelly with her brother, then the natural reaction is just to avoid it and run for the hills and, no, I'm okay, and get on with things because... You know, instinctively, our brain's saying, no, don't go there. The thing is, though, once the feeling is there, it's there, you know, and, it, and you can resist it, but it doesn't necessarily go away. You can just no. destroy yourself. You know, the thing I, I wanna also want to say is that, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but if you allow yourself a really good cry, generally you feel very peaceful afterwards. Yeah, sure. you, feel, you feel like full of peace and contentment, even sometimes something akin to bliss. Yeah. So these are the body, this is the body and the endorphins of the brain telling you and rewarding you for doing what's healthy. Actually, oh. you have said that somewhere mm. in your blogs or might've been podcasts around what crying actually does. It releases, I believe, the same endorphins that say exercise would release. Yeah, it reduces... It, yeah. it, it, it's a lot of um, serotonin and just um, dopamine and it's like, um, yeah, just good stuff. So it, yeah, it's, okay. it's quite a youth elixir too. <laughs> yeah, right. So basically what you're saying is we all should sort of almost like we would gather around once a week to connect with people, have fun or exercise, whatever it might be. We should book in or cry as well. Well, yeah. If you, <laughs> you know, No, honestly, it just, it feels so cathartic and it's yeah. just our our tears are really natural, but we've made them something other than what they really are supposed to be, which is healing. Mm. Yeah. It's their body's <laughs> way of showing it, isn't it? And releasing that pain. And yeah. like once you release it, I've noticed, I'm not sure if it is anything in particular, but I've noticed if Kelly is really busy or she's trying to sort of more or less run away from things, her muscles all through her back and her neck get so like rot. They can literally change in a day, I've mm. noticed. 
Oh yeah, I watch how she does after she has a really good cry. Her whole neck and her shoulders will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do something that makes her cry. It'll, it'll spark her off. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, it, it's. I know it's it's a, a hard prescription, but um, but mm, it really it really does work, and and it, um, and it feels really good when it's when it's over. It feels a lot better than holding on to something. Yeah, longer than it's meant to be there. Yeah. And I think through the process, like I've, I've really learned to um, give myself permission to be vulnerable because that was one thing that I didn't. So I'm, I'm definitely stepping into that a little bit more too. So, Well, this, will, this is really fertile ground that you're standing on and it gives you a chance to be actually more of who you really are versus mm. who you should be, you know, and, and we're really meant to be more like children in the way we express ourselves. But we're, you know, very, we get very suppressed and repressed, you know, yep. and, and, um, and that's not to say that like you should act like a two-year-old, nobody needs to act like <laughs> Stand me my feet. Only <laughs> two-year-olds get to act like two-year-olds, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it means that we are meant to be a lot more expressed than what we are. We're meant to allow ourselves the, the luxury of crying. And, and, and oftentimes we don't cry until we have something really big to cry about. I know I never mm. did. Mm. I, used to, I used to wish I could cry, but then I would go to these thoughts like, well, geez, Chris, if you can't be happy, nobody can. You have everything, you know? And, and so I, I talk myself out of a good cry and then when I had something real to cry about, boy, I think I cried for all the years that I hadn't cried. <laughs> I mean, I was crying golf ball-sized tears. <laughs> I saw hailstones coming out. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it was just like my bed sheets and my whole, everything would be all snotty and just wet all the time. Jeez. So, that's unbelievable. You know, and that's yeah. when you sort of really allowed Failed. it to happen. And healed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, for sure. I, it just when I would just let myself be. But of course, I was really in it for um, about, I'd say, like that, a full year. I mean, I cried mm. every day like that for a full year. And then yeah. after that, I, I started to, you know, I always I always cried. And it took many years. I, I, I was on a very long healing journey. It was not a, you know, I was with Richard from the time I was 18 years old. Mm. I'd never been out him i mean mm. it, it was a big a big let go and i and to this day i mean i i still feel very married to him so yeah well, I've, you know i have my uh my companions and i've you know dated a lot or whatever it's just i've never really had that true sense of this is he's my mm. person you know yeah. he's my person. Mm. so it's been a journey uh, a journey to come into myself and to um come into my strength you know, and my power as a woman. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm fairly certain that that's what it was all about for me, you know, that I, mm. I unfortunately, I, I needed this in order to have that, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've definitely taken the learnings out of it for the better. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. And, you know, you can't say in all the blessings of your life that life is happening for you. And then, and then when crisis and, and negative things happen, you can't turn that around and say, this is happening to me. At least I couldn't. I, I knew too much. And, and I just, I had to really embrace the spiritual path that I'd been on in a really big way. And I looked at it like, 
well, this is my, um, this is my graduate school curriculum I'm on. You know, this is, mm. this is, big. this is big for me and, and I need to make this count and I need to make this, um, I need to grow. I need to yeah. grow from this. this lifetime. This was not an accident. So well, apparently not. There's a there's a lot of theories, and again, you touched on something a bit earlier about depends on what you subscribe to, or that that theme of what you believe in, what your beliefs are based on. But there is that theory that we we choose this path, and I've heard something a little while ago. We actually do choose our parents as well. So it's a yeah. it's interesting when you hear these different things. It makes you stop and think and go, really? That that can't be right, surely. But how do you? What sort of tips, I suppose, could you provide people to step into this a little bit more and I guess be comfortable that, and I think sometimes the stigma around this um, woo-woo side of life, you might call it, is that that stigma. People aren't that comfortable stepping into it because they feel they might be judged or feel they're a little bit weird. But how, could, how do you think they can still do it and try to avoid that? I think weird puts you in the top 1% and I'm all about being in the top 1%. <laughs> what do you got to lose maybe? Just give it a go. If you want to be special and unique, then go ahead and be weird, you know? Because <laughs> I think in Australia, they call it something like the tall puppy syndrome you have to avoid. Yeah, yeah. And there is a lot of that culture here, like more broadly around, you know, um, you don't cry, you don't show vulnerability. It's okay, get up, you'll move on. And I think it's a global thing. It's not just Australia, but there is this uh, hesitation to allow those sorts of feelings to come up. But as you've just touched on, there are great... Great, there's a lot of great healing in letting those emotions come through. There's still well, I mean, the strongest people um, will be able to feel their feelings to the depth of their heart and soul. And I love um, Cahil Gibran. He has this amazing quote that your joy is your sorrow unmasked. And to the degree at which you can experience mm. your sorrow is the degree of which you will experience joy. Right. Um, and so if you think of it that way, then, you know, it, it depends on what level I think you, you decide you want to live at, you know, and, yeah. and I, I have decided a long time ago that I want to live a spiritual life in this human form and I'm going to live a very deep life. Like I'm not going to, I have all, I, sure, I love money. I love to create money. I love to create wealth. I love to work, but, but I'm going to see the, the bigger, deeper picture of, of, of it all. And, and to me, that is what it means to reach my highest potential, is not to deny myself all of it, yeah. all of what life has to offer. And life has to offer suffering, and it has to offer joy. And, and, and that's what being alive is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was reading um, one of your big, big things in one of your books. It was, life is a test. It's not a battle. The challenges in life are not battles for survival, but just test to design to see how we cope and evolve um, and to accept things as they are and do your best. And I, that just resonated with me. It's something that I read constantly. Um, and that can be our mindset too. Like yeah. a lot of us human beings in general have a mindset that life is a test and it's a yeah. battle and it's a survival thing and it's not... Whereas what we've covered off even so far, it's, it's the total opposite of mm, those. It's, it's to evolve. I remember Richard and I used to joke a lot. He used to say um, when we would have something difficult happen, he would say, he would, he'd start laughing. He'd say, this is a test. This is an emergency test. That's all it is. <laughs> only, only a test. <laughs> 
like an emergency broadcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it just comes back to the beliefs too, like what we believe life is about. And, mm. and I think importantly, out of a lot of, a lot of your content, a lot of your teachings and blogs and books and all those sorts of things, one of the messages I get out of there is that we absolutely entirely have a choice. We have a choice what we believe in. We have a choice about how we feel, how we behave, how we respond or react. We have a choice the whole way, whereas uh, a lot of us are in a position where we feel we don't. How can we sort of step into that space a little bit more in believing and trusting we do have a choice? That our, you know, we're not a prisoner to our own brain or way of thinking. Well, I think it, it goes back to realizing that you don't have a choice often what happens to you. You have a choice in how you step in. And they respond. Yeah. And, and I, I think um, people who, who think of themselves as a victim of their circumstances, that's a really dangerous place to live because that means that you're at the affect of everything that's happening at all times. Mm. But if you take the stand that you are not a victim of, of life, that, that life sure some really great things happen and some negative things happen too. You're not a victim. You just have to step in with, a, with some courage to face and, and to live through and to be guided, you know, from wisdom through um, the circumstances that you're in. Now, I know this is really difficult for people that are facing survival needs right now. It's very mm. difficult. And there's a lot of people around the world that are in that position right now that maybe never thought they would be. And still, you know, you've got to access your greatest resilience. You've got to access your wisdom and your creativity. And there always is a solution. There's always something available to you. And I think that mm. this, again, it goes to mindset it, it, it goes to mindset and a deeper belief. And, and, and believe me, I've had some pretty negative experiences with people over the years. And, um, and I could have easily just taken a poor woe is me victim attitude. Yeah. But that I just thought, wow, well, this is a kind of an expensive education. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get this lesson now, you know, <laughs> right between the eyes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I kind of, for me, it's really important to keep my sense of humor through life and to, um, I, I look for the joy, you know, I really look for what to be grateful for on an mm -hmm. ongoing basis. I, I constantly remind myself to move toward gratitude, toward what is good about today, even on a, a day that, doesn't feel so good, you know, and, and that, again, that isn't just a mindset. That's a practice. Mm. That's a practice that when you do it um, time and time again, you become wired that way. It becomes very difficult for you to stay low or stuck for very long. Mm. Because it does. You're wired to move. You're wired to move toward what is positive in your world. And mm. And, you know, again, like if you go back to brain health and, you know, neuroscience and neuro neurons and neurotransmitters in your brain, it's really all about how you're wired. And that's just mm. how you are practicing life, how you're, what are you in the habit of? If you're in the habit of, oh, woe is me, well, 
you know, that's what you're seeing, you know, that's, yeah. that's what you're going to see in your world, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to see all the reasons why you should be in that, that feeling state. So yeah, it, it's just, I keep, I always go back to that. Your mental health and well-being really starts with having to, you know, quiet down um, and having to practice making, you know, good choices for yourself, you know, yeah. and, and what does, what feels right to you, you mm. know, and, and that, that's very basic, you know, basic to um, humanity. Yeah. And we often get caught up based on their beliefs. We get caught up in what we feel we should do versus what feels right to do. Yeah. And it's something that we see a lot in our line of work that, you know, people are generally setting goals on the basis of the beliefs they have. And in very, very basic terms, one of those beliefs might be the harder I work, the better off I'll be. So they continue to set these goals that reinforce that belief. And six, seven days a week, they're kind of consumed by work or business, whatever it might be. But the very, very value they hold dearest to their heart, they're not connecting with, which might be quality of time with family or children. So yeah. it's just, it ends up in this constant loop and all of a sudden 20 years have gone by and we've got this great business and our balance sheet looks awesome, but where's all the time gone? Where's our real experience and our real connection and happiness and joy? It mm -hmm. ends up getting lost along the way. Mm -hmm. And it's a yeah. very, um, very much a norm. So, you know, we're, we're trying to you know through this podcast and having the likes of people like yourself on here who share such awesome, awesome wisdom and information about mm -hmm. how to take a different approach in life that can serve you a whole lot better. It's um, really, really insightful, very enlightening. So thank you again <laughs> for being yeah, on. Absolutely. And I've got, um, I've got five questions to finish up with, if that's okay. It's called our fast five. So they're a little bit like a uh, knee jerk reaction, impulsive response or reaction. Maybe we can even <laughs> go with that. Set you free for a little bit, just react <laughs> instead of respond. <laughs> All right, just have a bit of fun with them as well. So first of all, do you feel that you are living your life purpose? Absolutely, yes. If you had all the money and the freedom in the world, what would you be doing with your time? Nothing differently than I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, cool. Nope. The weirdest thing you're afraid of? Uh, spiders. Got something weirder? <laughs> Is there something um, in the spiritual world you found? You go, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> piranhas. <laughs> the belief fish that will eat your toes, I suppose. <laughs> that is a little bit strange. Yeah, that is, they are, they are yeah, vicious things. You see any of those documentaries, like, holy moly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like things like that. <laughs> oh, oh, mountain lions. I, I, I hike on trails a lot, and I, I'm terrified that I'm going to bump into a mountain lion. <laughs> oh, right. Well, that kind of makes sense. Because it, I suppose it's a little bit like us. If we go for a bushwalk, we'd be worried about coming across a snake or something like that. But uh, yeah, one of those valid, it's like a valid fear that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got snakes too. So yeah, things, things that um, wild things. <laughs> <laughs> Anything wild? <laughs> All right. Okay, next one. What? Who you, or what is your biggest influence in life? Um, God. Quite powerful. Yeah. Love Don't it. need to say anymore. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. God. Yeah. I go, to God. I go to God for the answers. <laughs> Is he usually pretty good? Yeah, so it works out pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's got an idea what he's going on about, so that's helpful. All right, last but not least, what's, what's the impact you most want to have? 
in life on the world? Uh, you know, I often think about um, if somebody was speaking at my um, celebration of life, I would want them to say, I met Christine Carlson and she was one of the kindest people that I ever met. Mm. And I would agree with them. I'd actually stand up and say that, Christine. <laughs> so if you don't mind, just get an invite out here so Cal can, <laughs> if something happens to you, God, God willing. Oh, bless her. Yeah. Yeah, and authentic. Um, I, I want to just um, be an example of a woman who can stand on her own two feet and who has uh, come through a great loss and arrived in a place of great joy and also um, show by my example. I want to live by the example that I am and share from that place. Amazing. Right. This has been a wonderful wonderful podcast with you christine i just yeah yeah it's just your words just flow they're they're connecting all the time it's like Mm. there wasn't a moment through this i don't think i've been lost going okay Mm. not sure what that is it was just a constant connection throughout i do yeah i just wanted to quickly touch base if i okay your courses that you're running at the moment can we just have a bit of a chat about them one that's really um, I've looked into and I'm actually going to step in and do is the What Now program. Oh, nice. Mm. Oh, beautiful. We'll wait until after January because I'm revamping that program. So yes. wait until January. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be much better. So it's really <laughs> now, but it's going to have video and, and I'm adding to the content on that and re, kind of repackaging that. So, but um What I'm really happy to share with people right now is that for a long time, I wanted to do Don't Sweat the Small Stuff happiness training courses. Mm -hmm. And I finally have two amazing courses on my website and they're very reasonably priced at $29.99 each for lifetime access. And the first one is called You Can Be Happy and it's five principles of happiness to keep life in perspective based on um, Richard's books, uh, you can be happy no matter what. what? Yeah. And, um, and I love that because he's actually in the videos, uh, with me. So it was, uh-huh. it was really profound for me to, um, feel like I was still teaching with him. Yeah. And, and um, so I, I've created those, uh, that course. And then I've done another course called you can be mindful with Dr. Shauna Shapiro and she's this wonderful mindfulness teacher and also a very dear friend. And so we created a mindfulness course called You Can Be Mindful. And it's in the happiness training if you go to don'tsweat.com. Yeah, that was with the mindfulness with clarity and calm, with clarity and yes. calm. Mm. Yes, mm. it's beautiful. And she's a wonderful, beautiful teacher. And um, I kind of, I do the more practical aspects of mindfulness in daily life. And then she teaches from her um, best-selling book, Good Morning, I Love You. And it's, it's, she's a profound teacher. So wow. I know that anyone who picks up those courses will really learn a lot and you can have lifetime access for only $29.99. So oh. it's a deal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> so they just, um, so that, that's all on your website, isn't it? www.christinecarson.com, isn't it? It's, it is. I would go to don'tsweat.com for okay. that. Yep. Yeah, you could go, you can find it on my website, but it's front and center on don'tsweat.com. And then, um, yeah, and then, you know, usually I do a lot of retreats. Maybe you'll come on one of my retreats. <gasps> oh, that would be amazing. Mm. I would love that. I would hop on a plane tomorrow and do that. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah. 
I love retreats with women. That's that's one of my sweet spots. I love leading them, and I and I have a band of women that that go all over the world with me generally, but not now during COVID. So mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Hopefully, yeah. I was just thinking about that. I I have a home in Mount Shasta, and I usually do writing retreats there. But this weekend, I got it ready for a friend of mine who's going to hold a retreat there, and she's having everybody COVID test before they come to the uh. retreat. I'm not quite there yet. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to accept the liability of that yet. I'm going to wait till mm. after winter because they're saying we're having our second wave here very soon. So yeah. I'm going to wait. I, I think come this spring, I might, I might brave a, a small women's retreat or something. Would be yeah. Fun. Okay. Well, if I can fly over, I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, you guys are great. Thank you so much for having me on. That was just beautiful. And there is a whole heap more of content and wisdom that you have to offer. So we'll definitely love to have you back on again. Absolutely. And share some more of that. Incredibly valuable. So thank you. Thank you, Christine. Oh, and one thing, maybe in your show notes, we could put the link to the Golden Pause um, download so your guests can have that as um, if they liked it, they can have that um, if they can do on their own anytime. Absolutely. 100%. So the link to the Golden Pause and the website is don'tsweat.com. Definitely some good content on there. Definitely worthwhile. Highly recommended. Thank you so much, Christine. Um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff is... um... Made an appearance on It's More Than Money. We appreciate you coming on for sure. Really cool. So wonderful. Thanks, you two. Great work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to It's More Than Money. This podcast has been recorded and produced at Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Before we go, don't forget to click on the subscribe button for this podcast and wherever you listen to it, give it a rating as well. If you'd like to find out more, you can always go to our website, parentfg.com, or you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Please leave a suggestion for a future topic if you wish. Either way, we'd love to hear from you, so let us know your thoughts. We'll have another episode soon. Thanks for listening to It's More Than Money. Take care. Catch you next time.